Welcome to the Market Leader Podcast, where we believe that marketing is measured by sales, the status quo is the enemy, and empowering your team is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Ryan McInerney, and this show is sponsored by Blue Matter, the marketing agency alternative. If less than 1% of the leads are turning into customers, then what you're really saying is 99% of my time, energy, money, and resources as a marketer and a sales team, uh, as, a, as a unit, is just not driving revenue. That was Sangram Vajre, the co-founder and chief evangelist of Terminus, an account-based marketing technology company based out of Atlanta. You'll also hear from Doug Davidoff of Imagine LLC, a demand generation firm in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, before I start this episode, I want to thank you for joining us for season two of the Market Leader Podcast. We started off the year with a pilot season in Q1, We learned quite a bit from that short run and are back now in Q4 with plans to run this show weekly. If you're not familiar with ABM or account-based marketing, you're going to learn about it in this episode. And the reason I chose to start this new season with this interview is because the topic at hand places front and center what we're all about here at Blue Matter, thinking critically about your marketing and focusing your efforts on where it really counts. If you're of the mind that most marketing is a waste or you're just tired of wasting money on things that don't work, then tune in to part one of two of this high-impact discussion between two passionate individuals who don't always agree. All right, and welcome to the Market Leader Podcast. And with me today here is Sangram and Doug. Now, Doug is the founder and CEO of Imagine Business Development in Maryland. He brings more than 20 years experience. He's an author and co-author of four books and has advised over 1,500 companies that are committed to serious growth with his no-hold-barred, no-bullshit approach. He's quick to adopt new ideas, but what you'll come to love about him is that he is also cynical of products and strategies that are dubbed the next thing. Now, I'm also joined here by Sangram, who's currently the chief evangelist and co-founder of Terminus, which is an account-based marketing software company in Atlanta, Georgia. He's authored the ABM book for dummies, is the former head of marketing at Pardot, and he's also the champion of short-sleeved sport coats, which you'll soon come to know if you track him online. Thank you guys both for uh, joining me today. Thank, Thank you, you Good so to be much. Here. Yeah, it's fun. All right, so let's start off now. Let's just kind of make sure that our listeners have an understanding about the framework for this call. You know, we, we got into this conversation because there's a lot of stuff going on online, especially in LinkedIn, which is kind of having its heyday right now. So while everybody's there, all the content creators are getting there, we're seeing a, a big influx in relevant trending topics. And one of the ones that keeps coming up is on ABM or account-based marketing. And it seems like there's really no lukewarm, middle-of-the-road conversations happening. We've got people that are really obviously for it, and we've got people that are really, really hesitant or, or reticent about it. We've got some folks that are saying this is something we've been doing for years. We have other folks saying that this is a new market or a new category. And so I've brought both of you on this today for the benefit of our listeners to really hear both compatible and competing ideas to enable our listeners to be able to conclude you know, is ABM something we should explore and where we should go forward? Now, doing a little bit of homework on both of you, I found that each of you basically describe, and I want you each to take a turn here, but you both describe that the traditional playbook is broken. So starting with you, Doug, what do you mean that the traditional playbook is broken? Well, I'm glad you asked that because you mentioned that I'm the author or co-author of four books. So this is a great opportunity to say the fifth book is uh, coming out in a couple of months called the Demand Generation Playbook, which just so happens to address the new playbook. 
in all seriousness, think about what the life of the typical mid-market growth-oriented business is. You wake up in the morning and you run faster today than you did yesterday. You are on a treadmill. You finished 2017 and the goal in 2018 is doing the first two, 10 months of 2018 what you did in 2017. And, you know, correspondingly, cost of customer acquisition, shooting up. Margins going down. Time spent for salespeople. Salespeople are spending more time at work. They are spending less time selling. You have fewer salespeople hitting quota. Marketers, same thing. We see, you know, in a lot of ways, the only thing that's keeping a lot of the the new growth businesses going today is more and more cash infusion coming in to support bigger and bigger burn rates, which, which are great if, in fact, the growth model is working. But when you look at the underlying data that's saying, I'm really buying market. Like I said, cost of customer acquisition is going up. Predictability is going down. All you have to do is say, if I ran any other part of my business the way I accept sales and marketing to run, I'd be dead. And, and, I, and I wouldn't accept it. And so it, it frankly doesn't take a brain surgeon to realize there's something wrong when that's what normal is. And for that reason, what we have to do, I think, as an organization, as organizations, is realize that the world has changed and we need to build and you know build a process, build a playbook and align with what is not what used to be. Excellent. What do you think, Sangram? I mean, a lot of it I agree with, right? What's broken in my mind, and it's kind of backed by Forrester when they came out with their research in 2015 that clearly stated less than 1% of the leads are turning into customers. Now, anybody listening to this, you know, given Ryan, what the kind of people are listening, if less than 1%, I think the stat was actually 0.25, if less than 1% of the leads are turning you into customers, then what you're really saying is 99% of my time, energy, money, and resources as a marketer and a sales team, uh, as, a, as a unit, is just not driving revenue. And, and that's why we, I think we see such a turnover in, in especially the CMO roles and others. But that stat is just staggering. And for me, that's really where the anchor for ABM kind of started to, to kind of go on. So we can get into that in a second. But that stat in itself tells us that the traditional funnel that we all know with too much at the top and very little at the bottom is, is broken. Hmm. You know, you know it's, it's funny that you talk about that because, you know, as, as, as we're seeing companies try to gain more volume, there, there's like this battle cry that, that what I'm losing in yield, I'll make up in volume. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really driving all kinds of habits that might be bringing about that short-term growth, right? That, you know, and we're killing our addressable markets. Yeah, bad right? habits. You know, and, and, and think about it. I mean, look at any salesperson in your organization. I, mean, I, I would venture to say in all of our organizations, but your listeners especially, Ryan, and ask yourself, is selling in 2018 easier than 2017? What was the battle cry of modern day marketing and demand generation? It was the John Wanamaker quote. I know I'm wasting 50% of my money on advertising. I just don't know which 50%. And so the promise was, hey, you're going to answer that 50%. And now we measure everything. And we're probably wasting 75% of our money on advertising. And I just don't know which 75%. We've not gotten any better as, as there are organizations that have, don't get me wrong, case by case. But as a, as a structural organization, we actually haven't gotten any smarter. We're making the same mistakes, experiencing the same circumstance that, that we did 10, 20, 30 years ago. And it's like, whoa. 
doctor, it hurts when I do this. What should I do? Stop doing it. So Sanger, there's a growing controversy that's out here. And really, it's about whether or not ABM is actually effective. I mean, to Doug's point, you know, we're constantly adjusting. We're now measuring everything. We're, we're still unaware. And some of, the, some of the contenders against ABM would say that ABM is something that you, you can't really measure the effectiveness of. It's a, it's a new way of spending the same money. What would you say? Is there really a controversy about ABM? Is, is it, what are they saying? What do you hear? And, and is any of it valid? So I'll give you a qualitative and a quantitative example of, and then you guys can reach your own conclusion on that one and let the, let the listeners as well. So qualitative was, uh, I was reached out by somebody who's doing a PhD thesis on ABM. So if, if there was a question if ABM is real or not, like I've never heard anybody do any thesis or any PhD level work on a strategy in the last 20, 30 years, even not, not even email, not even any of that stuff, right? So to me, that was just alarming. And the other part that along the qualitative side is it's the five-year cycle. And we, we talked about like, well, things have been happening for a number of years. Let's just, let's just examine that. And especially for listeners, it might be interesting if, if they are in one of those cycles right now. 2000, email marketing was amazing. We all know how awesome it was to get 70, 80% open rate, 90% open rate on some of those emails. Man, that was like the best day. We all are probably dating ourselves there if, or anybody who's listening and smiling at this. And then uh, e-marketers started to say, well, this is awesome. We can capture leads. You fast forward 2005, marketing automation came to life. That's where the Marketo, Eloqua, and like products of the world kind of came about because we could actually capture leads and we can put these emails, which is just a mass marketing thing, into this product and call it marketing automation. And people are still doing emails. Very few people are actually doing marketing automation level work even now, but that became the thing. Five years later, 20, uh, 2010, marketers got so good with inbound and content marketing and marketing automation that creating leads was no longer an issue for most companies, even, even to, to like you know a couple of years ago. Creating leads never been an issue. People are creating infographics, the white papers, like webinars every single week. I was part of that. I did that. And leads creation was awesome. Like I remember we created like 3,000 leads a month or something like that at Pardot when I was running there. So it was just massive, amazing thing. But then the sales team started to say, and Doug, you probably agree with this, is like, you're giving me shit. These things don't really are driving revenue, right? And then you fast forward five more years, 2015, ABM comes to life. And the reality is email, marketing automation, and predictive, if you look at all three of them, they're tactics, they're tools. None of them are strategy per se. ABM is actually strategy. We're talking ABM is truly, in my way, if you have to define it, I would say ABM is B2B marketing at its core of bringing sales and marketing together. So that's just the qualitative way of looking at the trend, the data for the last 15 years, and like why ABM is interesting for a lot of people right now. The quantitative aspect of it, well, just at Terminus, we have over five, 600 customers now. And our own internal transformation led us to like, I mean, that's why we have getting investments in it. Like the sales pipeline velocity is all like 60% up. We as a company didn't do ABM, quite honestly, in the very early days, because you're like early startup company, we're just trying to build buzz, build brand, all those things. But then we realized we're not doing what we're preaching and we need to do this. So quite frankly, it was very embarrassing for us. And I'm, uh, we all, we very transparently share that. So we started that late last year and really early this year. 
And man, what a change we have seen. Because the, the reality is what missed, what really, really missed in this whole marketing automation world that I come from in, in the last 10 years is that we started to focus on engagement way before we started to focus on fit. Mm. And I let that kind of sink in for a second because I think this is where where I feel we got wrong was, all right, let's just create an ebook. Let's just create two ebooks a month, three webinars a month. Let's just do, and like all these different content thing. And we just went on activities by activities by activities that led to this like catastrophic less than 1% leads turning to customers. But we never looked at it and saying, what does the market look like? How many companies can we really sell to if, if this is what we are selling and this, this is who we are selling to? And ABM really resets that. They said, well, we do not, we realized we do not have 100,000 accounts, so we can't spam anymore. We only have 9,000 accounts that we know that we can sell to. It changed the sales and marketing process. So a quick example, and I would love Doug to kind of chime in here, is, is initially we had about almost 600 accounts or something like that in every salesperson's name. Like we all know nobody's doing personalized activity at that point. Now we have less than 100 accounts, if not even 75. So ABM has shifted sales and marketing activities where it's not driven by the, how many more things we could do. It's like how much more personalized you can get because they know if they don't close this, they don't have another account to work. And I'll leave you with this last point on this part. The other, the most amazing revelation for me personally was because I've been part of this 10 years of like creating shitty leads all, all over the time was if you, the title of a salesperson is account executive, not a lead executive. So beyond anything, the reality is marketers have been giving leads to sale and as sales, and I've been part of that. But all along, sales titles are account executives. They, they understand that they're closing accounts. So account-based marketing is nothing new per se in, in, in that sense. Marketers are finally figuring out, oh, we need to create, make sure we understand the fit and then create uh, engagement as opposed to just going into engagement. So I think we're just aligning the two worlds that, that we all wanted to to begin with, but this is the first time we're able to do. Hmm. Doug, what are your thoughts? Before we hear Doug's response, I know that you're in the middle of the Q4 blitz, and this is where you and your team are furiously trying to get as much demand and close as many deals as possible. And while you're trying to close your own deals, you might be in someone else's pipeline and they're trying to close you. You might be looking at HubSpot or an agency contract or some other agreement that commits you to an investment. And I know why you want to commit. You want to feel that you're taking steps towards transforming and growing your business. But I encourage you to take a deep breath and slow down. There's a right time and a wrong time to make those decisions. And if you aren't careful, you'll be wasting time, money, and energy. So we're making our Market Leader Fundamentals course available to you for free. Now, normally, this would cost you about $300, but we're making it available to you when you go to bluematter.us forward slash free hyphen course. Again, that's bluematter.us forward slash free hyphen course. And of course, we'll put this in the show notes and any of the descriptions we can wherever you found this podcast. Now, you're going to get a 10-part video series that covers the key elements of our ML5 framework. You'll also get a free account to Blue Matter and a sense of direction when it comes to ordering your strategy before committing to software or partners. If you don't take this course, I'm telling you, you could be throwing money out the window. And it's free, so why not go for it? All right, so let's get back to Doug and Sangram. So I, I always think it's funny when people say ABM is controversial. 
so you'll probably like this and you won't like this, uh, Sangram, because <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I don't understand how someone can ask the question, do you believe in account-based marketing? If you sell to companies, then you do account-based marketing. You can call it whatever you want. It is, you are account-based. Now, I think that part of the problem that we have in the world of, of MarTech, selling the easy button, et cetera, is that we, we try to package a whole lot of things in a term because, you know, that's good marketing and, and, and we want to do that. So I'll point out a couple of things that really hit me as, as you were talking to Sangram and having been pretty early yep. in inbound marketing. And I actually realized something that I did in inbound marketing that I didn't realize I did that was unique until like just now. So inbound marketing talks about the importance of buyer personas. Yes. What they don't talk about is the importance of ideal client profiles. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of hit that point. I didn't really come to me until it's like it's engagement over fit. Now, probably one of the reasons why I didn't find ABM to be this brand new thing per se, and I, and I will share one new thing about it, was that the ideal client profile was always a part of our persona exercises. And that probably was driven because we started off as a sales organization where mm -hmm. we did ideal client profiles. So, so personas was additive. Now, I, I don't think it's, it's engagement then fit or fit then engagement. I think it's fit and engagement. And I think you bring mm -hmm. both those things together. You need to be thinking about, you know, it, it's one of the reasons why so much content is shit is that we thought too much about content for leads, not content for fit, right? right? If you think content for fit, then what happens is you bring in better leads because the people who don't fit don't find that content interesting or valuable. You create polarizing content. Now, the place where ABM is a thing, because I thought you were going to say not, not, I thought you were going to ask him not as ABM controversial. I thought you were going to ask, is ABM actually a thing? Because that was where I struggled. I'm like, is ABM a yeah. thing? I've been selling to companies from the beginning. My first job was B2B sales. I sold the companies and then it hit me. Account-based selling is not new. That's forever. What Correct. is new is the ability to utilize technology, to utilize data that's out there, to take marketing ideas and say, I want to find the people that I want to talk to. That, yeah. that I want to be aware of me and I want to get the right message in front of them, even if they don't know who I am. Like the fundamental, the fundamental problem with inbound marketing is it requires two things. It requires them to find you, which yep. is why I've, I've always said it's inbound and outbound. But the second thing is it requires them to look, right? Everyone says, oh, you're going to do great with search. Well, okay. Well, if you're doing something new or different, who's searching for, like how much time do you spend looking for things that you don't know exist? Yeah. Or looking for things that you don't know who they are or, or, you know, any number of. So the aspect of being able to take the knowledge base, utilize, you know, what exists with predictive and, and, and what the tech stack enables us to do, if we do it right, is to say, I, I'm going to bring the mountain to Muhammad. I would say, if I can't bring Muhammad to the mountain inbound, I'm going to bring the mountain to Muhammad. And I've also always said, you know, like the key to everything is attention. Attention is job yeah. one. If you're not paying attention to me, then it doesn't matter what I'm doing. And getting attention is actually a pretty simple thing. Like if I want Sangram's attention, all I have to do is figure out what is Sangram paying attention to. And yep. then I have to reverse engineer that and be whatever it is that he's paying attention to. And so what account-based marketing does, I think, and why it is a thing, is it enables us to say, how can I be in Sangram's swing path? How can I have something that I know is relevant to his company relevant to his role, relevant to those things. And I realize that he's out there looking for all these things he's doing. He's doing his daily thing. 
how can I, my golf coach, I had a golf coach who told me the problem with my swing is I kept trying to hit the ball. And I thought he was nuts. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, isn't that the point? He said, no, 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 no. When you want to hit the ball, you think that's where your swing ends. What you want is you want the ball to interrupt your swing in the middle. So what I want to do is I want to interrupt, and I don't mean interrupt like in a negative way. I want to yeah. be he he's walking down the path, and there I am. So it's, it's well, really very professional stalking. Um, yeah. So Doug, that was awesome because I think we we do. I I think the few things that you said, I think is going to be just super awesome for everybody to kind of sink in. Um, and I, I think like I think there is a couple of ways that I would rephrase that. The first part, you are absolutely right around the the reactive versus proactive part. So account-based marketing is proactive, right? I mean, if you want to do, like, yeah, I think the, the if you're in a B2B world, the, the advantage that you have as a marketer over a B2C marketer is that the world is not who you're selling to. You only are selling to a certain set of companies, probably in a certain vertical, even smaller, in, probably in a certain geography, right? There's just so much, so many layers to it that at the end of the day, for you, it should be like yellow pages as a B2B marketer, right? Like who you want to go after. So none of that should be a, a secret or waiting and, and playing the game of like, well, hopefully somebody would come today and download an ebook. That shouldn't be the game that you should be playing today in today's day and age. So as a B2B marketer, it is how do I become a proactive marketer? So I think that that part is when you talked about reactive, that's the word that came to mind is ABM really is about proactive part of it. And the second part, I, I love hearing about inbound and outbound. And we coined a term, uh, another term, if you want, want people to figure out is, it's not really inbound or outbound, quite honestly, because inbound is you're just hoping for somebody to show up and then you would follow through. Outbound is that you are, to you know, Doug's point, you're, you're kind of haggling the people that may or may not be ready to buy. So, But your sales team are given a quota and they're asked to do a certain number of calls a day and they're just doing outbound. In either cases, you are either in a waiting game or you're going in a harassing game, right? And neither of those games are scalable in the long term. So what we think about and we talk about is called as all bound in a general is like you, you as a marketing and sales team here at Terminus, for example, we have one scorecard. Sales and marketing don't have two different numbers. We only look at tiered accounts. So the way we look at scorecard internally is tier one, tier two, tier three accounts. All of those accounts, we know sales and marketing are fully aligned on that. And the conversation that happens almost every day is, what level of penetration and coverage do we have in each tiers? And tiers could be defined based on revenue size or proximity or stages of the sales cycle, whatever it might be for you. But that allows sales and marketing to be doing all the creative things that, that Doug just mentioned. Like, okay, well, wait a minute. We have 20 tier one accounts in Boston. Well, let's just go and do a happy hour dinner there, which is fine. And that is ABM, pre-marketing, if you will. Or, oh, we have 100 low, like they're not going to be very high, but mid-market companies we're going after, we should do targeted advertising for them so that we warm up them while before sales starts calling them. So now you're really mixing the two and making that happen as one team, one unit, as opposed to two separate units. So I feel like both those things of ABM is really all about being proactive and it's not inbound, outbound. It is really bringing it together as all bound is, is something how we, we think about it. And, and I would pick up where I think everyone gets lost and everyone screws themselves. There's the either or, which is, yep. that's not the world we live in, guys. And no matter what anyone says, you know, yep. this is the new thing. There is no new thing. Yeah. <laughs> for, for all the stuff we talk about, it's still content distribution, right? That's, yep. that's still the game. It's been that way forever. 
Well, content distribution to the right person is well, the only yeah. thing I've done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You, but yeah, absolutely. I yeah. I remember when I first started getting into the whole inbound thing and, you know, hey, traffic's up. I don't care yeah. how many people are coming to my site. I care yeah. who's coming to my site, right? Yes. But we, we get into this tactical silliness of argument. And what we forget is there's a customer on the other end who doesn't give a rat's you know what about tactics yep. and they don't think that. We go, well, should we, is, is this an online or offline strategy? I mean, that was like the first mistake in marketing is we started yeah. creating an online team. Well, I think yes. we it's online. No, we, wait, Sangram, we can't do a live event in Boston. That's, that's not online, right? Yeah. Who gets credit, right? All the, you know, customers, they just want to solve their problems. They right. want to learn good things, figure out how to move forward, solve their problems, and they're going to do it to the person who makes it easiest to happen. I was probably 24 25 years old, there was no such thing as the internet at that time. That really dates me. Holy cow. I can't see that. <laughs> and I had somebody who said, look, because the argument back then was channel. Do you yeah. sell through channel or do you sell direct? And what, right. uh, what the person said was, look, the company that makes it easiest to buy for their customer is the company that's going to win. If you are anything other than channel agnostic, you lose. Because mm -hmm. the customer wants what the customer wants, when the customer wants it and how. And if you're not giving it to them, then they're going to find somebody who does. Today, that game is about information. It's about answers. It's about, you know, any number of things. And we get so sucked into this myopic measure every little thing that we totally yeah. forget. We're not trying to drive website traffic. We're not trying to drive email opens. We're trying to drive customer acquisition growth, retention, and lifetime value. Totally. Tori, I feel there's uh, one more, and then Ryan, I'll let you kind of chime in because this is just fun, fun conversation to go back and forth on. One thing that I, I realized, and this is literally this morning's conversation, was what's exciting for me around ABM for a lot of people who are thinking about, especially in marketing right now, is marketing has been pigeonholed in this demand generation box, hmm. right? Like their job is to just go ahead, drum up more leads. Go ahead, drum up more leads. Oh, our uh, conversion rates are not as good on the velocity side of the house. Generate more leads because in the Excel spreadsheet, I can just add one more zero to the number of leads. And then the conversion numbers, even though they're low from opportunity to close, we, you, know, you can just add more leads, right? So marketing in the last 15, 20 years, and I'm curious, both of your perspective, if you guys agree with this, I feel like they have been positioned as this demand gen engine machine that just generate leads. Wrong. And I'll tell you okay. why. Because you're, you're right on what's happening, but you're wrong on the term. And it's, it's why ABM is having the problems that it's having, why the confusion is out there. And it's why marketing departments are screwing themselves. <clears throat> I can say screwing themselves on this podcast. Right? <laughs> Do it, brother. You're again. You already did. I'll go, I'll go it up here. They are not demand generation. They're lead right. generation. They're lead generation. We, mm. we, we say I demand generation, saying. but what they're, what they're charged for is leads. They don't know what demand is. Right. Mm. Demand is intent. And this is where this is, again, we're screwing ourselves because we think sale, we think lead sale. That's all we're thinking. And what we forget is there's this thing called intent. And if mm. you look at any market, there is intent somewhat structural. And, and what I mean by that is there's only a certain amount of any market at any time that's going to have real intent. One of the yeah. problems that happens is if, so if you think about intent as the waterline, you yeah. generate leads, your, your initial leads. And, and by the way, what really bad lead generation does is it attracts high intent buyers. 
because you're so difficult to find, you're so difficult to get something started with that your customer really has to want to do something to even find you and get into it. So you start off with this really high value, high intent pool of people. You go, oh, everyone I talk to, I close. Right? Then you start generating leads. And for every incremental lead you generate, the purity, if you will, of intent in your lead generation pool is going to decrease because yeah. you're going to attract far more non-intent leads than you're going to attract high intent leads. Now, here's the thing, getting back to engagement. If you, yeah. if you create engagement before intent, that is demand creation. If you create engagement after intent, that is demand fulfillment, right? Intent is where that demand get, that, that's where the demand gets generated, right? That's what demand is, right? And so yeah. the opportunity for, for engagement before intent is I can influence you, I can teach you. I, I said in my first sales training program in 1995, the first time I ran a sales training session by myself to a group of salespeople, I asked, What's the definition of a good salesperson? They all came up with somebody who can close anytime. And I said, wrong. A great salesperson is someone who can sell when there's nothing to buy. That's what demand generation is about. How can I be relevant before you're looking to buy? And, and this is why the CEB says two-thirds. Once that intent hits, if we haven't, if we're not there, if we're not relevant, they've learned that all sales organizations are going to do is try to close them. They're not going to really create any value anyway. So I, I'm in it for myself anyhow. And so they manage the journey on their own. The opportunity that we have here is, and what, and what account-based marketing I think can do when it's applied correctly. We, and again, it's all, if you're selling to marketing, I mean, if you're selling to businesses, it's all account-based marketing, just accepted. Right. What variation is we can find the people that have intent and manage them correctly and get them quickly into the sales cycle. You have people talking about conversational marketing, chat, things like that. Absolutely important, right thing to do, high intent. But we can also go, you know, I'm selling to billion dollar companies. I actually worked with a company, Sangram, you'll like this. There were 40 companies in the world that could buy from them. You want to talk about it? Yeah. yeah, they should be doing only account based. They probably yeah. are already doing it anyway. No, and so here it's a manufacturing company. So you got to realize whatever they can. Oh you know, yeah. Go back to, mm. and, and so they're like, well, you know, so we can't really do anything until they're ready. I'm like, what do you mean? You should yeah. be talking to them all the time. Well, until they have a project and a spec, I'm like, well, why aren't you generating relationships with their in, with their design engineers to teach them what you're teaching them so that you get designed into those specs? Right. Like, well, right. well, you know, they don't want to talk to salespeople. I said, whoa, who said have salespeople talk to them? right? Yeah. Let's get that engagement before there's intent, then everything else takes care of itself, right? That's yep. where we lower our cost of customer acquisition. Yeah, I love that, man. I think, I think, I think we're, I think in the, in the spirit of this conversation, you're hundred percent right. Like it's demand generation is bigger than lead generation. And so let just, so I'll correct myself. Marketers, would you agree that marketers have been put in a box of lead generation? Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally agreeing with you is that, that we, 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 we forgot why, what leads are hired for. Leads for yep. demand, not for leads. Correct. Exactly. Yep. Right. And then what's interesting that I'm seeing is that it's more like more value that more and more organizations are doing. And we're just, I'm just learning this because we have like all these 600 plus customers. So we, can, we are able to see all the different campaigns they are running. When I was running marketing at Pardot, I never saw this. And I'm, I'm now doing this and I'm like, wow, marketers are now running campaigns beyond their traditional awareness campaigns or nurturing campaigns. 
the campaigns that they are seeing more success on and rightfully so because there will be some you know as i share that i'm sure you guys would would be like yeah of course is the pipeline velocity campaign right and customer marketing campaigns those are the two campaigns that they're running that have much higher revenue returns for the company they're like how much more money and time can we put on them and all of a sudden everybody's realizing that well wait a minute so we can have marketing focus on pipeline velocity i thought that was salespeople's job but the fact to doug's point there's so many people in the decision making process if marketers can help warm up all these decision making and create that demand internally beyond that just one point of contact it drives greater velocity of deals so we're seeing for the first time at least in my career in the last 15 years or so being in the marketing automation world and all i've not seen marketers do a really good job and in internally understanding of the ceo that marketers can do that and now i'm seeing those campaigns being almost to like almost 60 70% of the campaigns are focused on pipeline velocity and, and customer marketing as opposed to pure lead generation awareness if your marketing is not driving pipeline velocity your your business is dying and you don't know it um, yeah it happens all the time though, right and, and i and i would say from a metric and i love hearing you talk about velocity i talk all the we yeah. we're, we're so focused on speed we forget speed doesn't matter it's velocity yeah uh, and and you see all this research coming out about sales cycle times right yeah. and sales cycle it's the wrong it's the wrong metric right cuz mm-hmm. cuz the problem with sales cycle is you know at the end of the day customers buy on their time right there right. yeah, certain, you can't force that buy cycles that are going to happen and and so you're what what you need to be looking at even more to measure the effectiveness of your process is time marketing should accelerate pipeline velocity and decrease salesperson time so my marketing is working when my sales people are able to spend less time per deal and increase the yield or or at least stay the same and and if we think about it what's our constraint and see manufacturers they learned this in the 1980s right sales organizations are only learning it now we've got to understand what our constraints are one salesperson can have can take one action with one person at one time that yeah. is the constraint so we build these sales teams of 100 people not because we have the demand for a 100 sales people but we have the way we deal with the constraint is we have 100 people so we can now take 100 actions at one time right yeah but if we actually picked up marketing to do more of the job it should do and and make the customer happier as well cuz we'd like to be in control of what we're doing we can actually take away that constraint We have taken hours off of our sales time by using video. By using video at the top, by using video yeah. designed specifically into that. We've got a client Sangram you'll like this who's who's be- going to begin to use you to be able to, you know, as they're generating that specific knowledge around companies to direct a message, you know, I want this message to this company, this message to that company and that's sales, right? It's picking yeah. up the sales process, it's saving the time for that person when you look at it through those constraints you get very tied to your destination and your journey agnostic right. be really clear on the outcomes and stop worrying so much about the tactics and what you call it solve for the customer take an either and approach and and you're going to get there a lot faster i i drool i mean i started selling in the 1980s i would have been arrested if i had access to the to the technology and insight yeah. information. I used to have an I had an assistant who spent 80% of their job putting together a report on who was I going to meet with and now it's like their LinkedIn profile. I'm like holy yeah. cow. And I talked to salespeople like, "Well, I can't get a hold of anybody. People are hard to get, you know, 
It's like, you don't know what hard is. <laughs> All right, Ryan, I don't you only have asked by saying get off my lawn, but honestly, <laughs> yeah. you know, you yeah, can't is... do it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah Ryan, you have only asked us one question, so I'm gonna, I like, asked you the qu- I asked you the <laughs> question because I knew this would be the conver- the conversation starter. And I what I hear both of you going back and forth on, and so kind of thinking from a position of what you guys have been very good at doing so far is you have shared the philosophical drive, the doesn't it just make sense, and this is what we already did anyway. But here's my two cents on this, is that the application of what you're describing and the way it's intended are not typically the same, okay? So loving on our friends at Vidyard, right? When I get a, when I get a placard that says my name on it and it's in the video, see, I already know you didn't write my name on the board. When your content, when you drive me to a, a contextual for content record, page. For the record, everybody, when I do that on the board, I actually wrote somebody's name on the board. I just want that to be nice. <laughs> well, good. So, so I wonder to some extent, let this not be said that this was the first time. I mean, let's go back to direct mail. I mean, yeah. I've gotten postcard mailers with the names of my kids when they're born. Congratulations on the birth of so-and-so. Here's a coupon to, you know, Bed Bath & Body Works for your, your family or something. I mean, you know, r- scribbling someone's personalization still personalization. And I think there's a couple of points here. But what you're describing, I don't think is what people are doing. Now, what I think I hear you saying is, I recognize that there's a certain ideal customer profile and then there's a buying group, CB, right? We've referred to them. They'd say there's 5.4 buyers in a complex B2B mid-market sale. So if we're thinking about that company that wants to sell services into that organization and they want to apply ABM, I think ABM here looks like identifying which are those strategic accounts, identifying what are the kinds of trigger points that we want to market there and then driving those specific people to a destination. I hear you saying that that is going to be uh, a higher yield, higher impact. But if I'm targeting passive buyers, an organization that's my target, but they're not my, you know, I'm not their target, and I'm going to produce some content that's aimed at them, that's targeted at them, I'm going to create ads that possibly even have relevant contextual, geographic, industry-centric information in it. And then I bring them back to a place that is already referring to them by name or by company name. Well, we did this already with HubSpot, right? I remember Brian Halligan getting on the stage in the 2015 HubSpot Inbound Conference talking about contextualization. You always had version A or version B, but, but what about the omission of content smart content, having different people see different expressions of the web pages, and no one's ever used it. So the amount of labor and the level of education required for a marketer or for a salesperson and the amount of unification required between both team members, I don't see that really playing out. I see personalization taking place, which I don't think is new. And I think people doing over-personalization, which I think I think smart, sophisticated business leaders think is tacky. Now, I'm giving that to you from an opinion, but when a salesperson refers to me by name, uses relevant information, talks to me, and then also thinks of me and provides me relevant content, marketing, and subject matter experts created, I receive that recognizing that you did think of me. But just like inbound, 
I have this hesitation, Sangram, that people are going to start implementing ABM inside their own company, then recognizing it when it's done to them. Sure. And so Amen. you're going to see, you're going to see once again, you, you get me once, you get me twice, but see, now I just know that this is just, it sounds to me like Sangram, you're telling me it's another mass market approach to a smaller audience where I'm hitting all these people at the same time, Doug, and then bringing them back to a place where I'm just using personalization to make it look like I made this whole universe for you. Now let's talk and the sales guy follows in and keeps a thread of continuity. I almost wonder if maybe when marketing and sales is a little inefficient, it seems a bit more authentic. And when it seems a little bit, a little bit messier, the buyer believes they're not being manipulated. That's, that's just, those are, those are different things I'm, I'm pooling, I'm reading, I'm applying and I'm sensing. And I'm just throwing that out there into the conversation. Oh my God. I got hours. I'll try to. Yeah. And that will. Already, so uh, I mean, packed with so much stuff there, Ryan. I can't, I, I can't even get get my head around it. I've lost the battle that just because you use somebody's name doesn't mean it's personalized. So I'm going to use a different term that's actually more important. Personalization doesn't matter. Contextualization does. Mm-hmm. Um, so just use it as a matter of fact. Using your name when it's not appropriate is not contextual, and so you'll screw it up. That's number one. Number two. The biggest problem with all of this is everybody wants to steal the fixtures. Hey, so-and-so did this. Hey, so-and-so did that. You can steal the fixtures. You can't steal the plumbing. This all works because of the plumbing. That's number two. Number three, the fear that if I do this, it's only going to work until people realize that I'm doing this. And, And so will it be authentic? And you said inefficient will sometimes create the feeling of authenticity more. Here's what I've learned authenticity will create the feeling of authenticity. So if you do ABM, inbound, whatever tactic you do or mix of tactics, if you're authentic, it will be authentic. And by the way, if you do it right and you do it to somebody who knows it, you will win them faster, right? If they're smart, by the way, if you do it right, it's really hard to know you're doing it because it's contextual. But if you're dealing with an expert who knows how it's done, I used to teach this to salespeople all the time. Well, they'll know I'm closing them. I'm like, if they know that, then they'll respect it. And the person who doesn't have the expertise won't realize you're closing that. So I would say, don't worry about that. And then I'm packed with so much. I just couldn't help it. That's, that's my initial feedback to what you said, but awesome about where the problem is. I appreciate your response to that, Doug. And that's, I think that's really helpful for the people that are, are chomping at the bit, putting forth that, that argument out there uh, about ABM. And I think we could probably get into a lot more than we have today. In fact, it seems almost like we're segueing into a transition to, well, then how would you do this effectively? How would you implement something like this? Would you guys be willing to come back and we could do a, a follow-up part two to this conversation and get into those details? Only if I Amen. get terminus swag. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I'll send you both one each and all three of us could be on it. Well, I appreciate both of you joining the call and we look forward to having the second part on this podcast. Thank you both. We'll, we'll finish off here. Thank all you. Right. Thank you so much. Wow. What a great show. It was a long one, but I think a good one. And Doug and Sangram accepted my invite to come back, and so should you. So on the next episode of the Market Leader Podcast, Doug and Sangram return to duke it out, continue the conversation, and dive into greater detail on ABM. And you'll be able to figure out if it's right for you. So I'll see you there. I just want to take a second and say thank you for listening. And I hope you got a ton of value from today's episode. 
But can I ask you a favor? Without your feedback, we're never going to get better. So if you love the show, subscribe and leave a five-star review. But if you thought we deserved less than that, then email me at ryan at bluematter.us and tell us how you think we can improve. We'll read every email. And hey, this show, it's meant for your whole team. So why not share it with them? You'll all be better for it. Thanks.